0: hello i am lucas that is jeff and this is make your own damn podcast how's it going
1: it is going well i i am excited to talk today about a movie that i have talked so much about over the years i have literally literally gotten a thank you email from the director over all the nice things i've said about his movie which is
0: bill watterson right
1: yes which is 2017's Dave Made a Maze, which is just an example of zero-budget absolute brilliance, which we are going to be getting into a lot during this episode.
0: Yeah. Um, dude, so I thought this movie was, like, way more obscure. Like, because like I had never heard of it before you mentioned it to me about a year and a half ago, I want to say. And I saw it then. Um. And uh, but then you know, as I was getting ready for this episode, I started looking it up on like Spotify and shit, and like yeah, like people, this movie
1: definitely has an audience. I this don't, movie I don't know has how large... been building an audience because um, I've talked about this movie on other podcasts, completely different podcasts, and I remember looking it up and some of the previous times I recorded years ago and there wasn't like anything out there of people talking about it. And I looked it up okay. in advance of this episode and I was really surprised that all the shows that are out there talking about Dave, that they've done episodes about Dave made a maze. I think a big part of it has to do with shutter got it. And yeah, I, think I that's definitely know say. since shutter Gadget it and in my own social media circles, I've seen people talk about it a lot more, and it was solely because they saw it on Shudder and it was like, What the fuck is this? And then they watched it now not everyone has liked it um but you know, like it's, like, what the fuck is this? <laughs> yes, yes I um
0: <laughs> I'm sure like when you saw like people in our circle like posting about it, you're like, were you guys not reading my posts over the last six years like a hundred percent
1: I a hundred percent had that thought that like. I put it on my, um, I I saw it in either 2017 or 2018. I saw it when it first came on VOD and I saw it that um, I actually saw it. Thanks to, uh, uh, to a Reddit post that somebody posted the trailer on Reddit was essentially like, has anyone heard of this movie? This looks insane. And I watched the trailer and I was like, Oh my God, I have to see this movie. And I saw it then right when it came out on VOD. And so it was either 2017 or 2018. Um, oh, it was 2017. It was released via 20 in mm-hmm. um, August of 2017. So I would have seen it around then. I put it on my top 10 best of the year list. I have talked about it on multiple podcasts. I have talked about it online multiple times. And then people start, don't watch it until it gets put on Shutter.
0: <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, so no, when, I have, you, when you told me to watch it um, uh, initially... I had to rent it from uh, from Voodoo, um, you know, and uh, yeah, but uh, yeah, but that was that was the only place I could find it, um, you know, at that. at, um, But yeah, now it's on Shutter, and it seems like it's I don't know, it seems like more people are talking about it.
1: I think it's actually gaining its audience. So now here, let me just quickly read the um, uh, plot description uh, for just for the sake of anyone who hasn't seen it um mm-hmm. an unaccomplished and an unaccomplished and frustrated artist builds a cardboard box fort in his oh the description just went away amazon what are you doing to me I, i'm not joking i was reading it and the description literally disappeared um oh, no. uh, i was reading it from the amazon description here sorry everyone okay Hey, unaccomplished and frustrated artist builds a cardboard fort in his living room and winds up trapped with a gang of oddball explorers in a fantasy world of his own creation threatened by booby traps and a minute and a bloodthirsty minotaur that's kind of what it is it's i
0: mean that's the i mean i would say that's the text right but it's not the subtext
1: yeah it's um, it's the it's text but it's not the themes nor why you're watching it so what makes this movie so notable first off is its vi- visual presentation is that yeah. almost the entire movie takes place in this um cardboard fort which is bigger on the ins which is bigger in- on the inside a little you know doctor who reference right there i'm sure they took because they phrase it exactly like the doctor everyone does in doctor who when they go inside the tardis i don't know if you're oh, a yeah doc- i don't know if you're a yeah, doctor yeah, yeah. who fan
0: um i i think we've talked about this the only one i've seen is the movie with peter cushing that you have oh told yeah me is not canon
1: it is not canon that's yeah <laughs> but uh, it's a running joke in the tv show that when people go inside the tardis they have various ways of delivering the line it's bigger on the inside and so yeah. when they say that in dave made the maze i'm convinced it has to be a doctor who reference but totally so it's that. essentially this labyrinth that is just massive never ending on the inside and everything the walls the ceiling the floor everything they interact with in the labyrinth is all made of cardboard as yeah. in the people who made this film literally handmade all the sets from cardboard that they scrounged out of dumpsters and had deals with various studios in LA to essentially take away their cardboard trash. I can go into that later. Um, but it's all handmade and it looks incredible. And the thing about this movie that overwhelmingly attracted me the first time I watched it and just wowed me watching it is it is so visually unique, so visually in- interesting and anyone could have made it now this movie did have about a half a million dollar budget uh that's true not everyone can have half a million dollars but that wouldn't stop you from being able to build sets like this in your basement like Mm -hmm. it's literally like on a physical level this is a movie that anybody could have made but no one did until this group of filmmakers did and it's just so visually unique visually interesting and inspired that it almost makes me a little bit jealous over how they can be so creative so unique so surreal and i want to talk about the surrealism in a bit with just fucking stuff pulled out of dumpsters
0: yeah it's amazing dude i mean it's i don't know it's in a way it reminds me of um a movie we've talked about on here on this show before uh six sock monsters from outer space yes which is, yes you know made with nothing but socks and recycled materials
1: and green, um, and, and like bedroom green screens like green yes, screens that you yes. could literally set up in your bedroom
0: um but uh i'm gonna say right off the bat this is uh, uh dave made a maze is a hell of a lot more coherent um than that movie i i think um, yeah and 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 look i i enjoyed that movie i don't want to sound like i'm like you know trashing that movie at all but this but um in terms of like just being like a very uh cohesive story um that you can that is easier to follow uh you know i would say dave made a maze probably has a leg up on it in that
1: with, with that without a doubt but i i i I do like you bringing up six sock monsters from outer space. We have an episode on it for anyone listening, go listen to us. It. It one of our earlier ones. So it was one of our first early ones. I was like, actually really happy with that, how it came yes. out. Um, but both movies very much have like that punk rock DIY spirit of like anyone could make this. And I actually feel it a little bit more with these movies than I do with like trauma, like Lloyd Kaufman trauma movies. Because right. there is an odd amount of skill that goes into Lloyd Kaufman's movies. Like, I know, like, anyone might be laughing at me, but there's actually a lot of skill at work.
0: The Lloyd Kaufman movies are punk and spirit yeah. in execution as opposed to the actual, like, building blocks, right, I would say?
1: Yeah, this this is, like, anyone could do it as in if you just were fucking stubborn enough and hadn't just dedicated enough time, you could build sets this insane in your in 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 your basement and i'm almost amazed that like i've never seen a movie commit to this level of practical insanity in terms of set design like it it rivals honest to god like hodorowsky movies in terms of Mm. how surreal its set design is and it's all fucking cardboard and paper and yarn and ribbons.
0: Even the blood in this movie is confetti.
1: Yes, the blood is just they they do beheadings and gore effects, but with only confetti and yarn and streamers. Like Yeah. And it works. It works. I it works so well. It's absolutely insane. So this movie opens up with Dave character, his, um, his, uh, partner, Annie is, uh, yeah, Annie, she, mm. uh, get, uh, she was was away from the weekend on some sort of trip business or something, whatever. It's not important, but she was gone for the weekend and she gets back to discover that her, her partner, Dave is, has built this cardboard fort in the living room and he's stuck inside it and can't get out. And it's not that he's physically stuck. He's lost inside it. It's bigger on the
0: inside. Mm -hmm.
1: She then invites, he says to call one of their friends for help. And she calls a friend who ends up inviting over a ton of people. And then the movie, Gordon, right? Gordon. Yes. And, um, uh, invites a bunch of people that also includes like another one of their friends is an amateur filmmaker trying to make a documentary. And so mm-hmm. he decides that he's gonna make a documentary about this maze, and everyone everyone goes into the maze, and so now they're all lost within Dave's creation, trying to find him and then get out. So I just want to add a, like a little bit more uh, plot synopsis there, because that's really almost the entire plot of the movie. Because what I argue this movie really is is it's a series of vignettes about the frustration of being a creative person
0: yeah i mean even in the opening credits you see him like trying to play keyboard and he likes and he like throws the keyboard across the room or whatever and he's like trying to like do other shit like uh, you know like like it's like a cartoon version of, of yes or something like yeah and 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 like so like i mean thematically like you're getting i mean you're essentially getting remember that actually
1: comes up in the movie because there's a keyboard room that was made out of the box of the keyboard and annie um makes an offhand comment well at least the box got used
0: yes yes um (laughs) i also want to point out you kind of gloss over it when you're talking about all the friends in the uh in the room but there's that it has like probably one of my favorite lines of the film where where i think the character leonard um is says something like oh i thought he was just sucking veiny dicks for kickstarter money and then uh gordon was like that's not how kickstarter works." <laughs> <was. laughs> yeah, yeah
1: yeah that is such a there there's a lot of really good one lines also in that in that um in that scene uh there's also remember they recruited a homeless man and yeah. And it's really like, I thought you said you knew about cardboard mazes. And it's like, I said I knew I know about cardboard. Yes. <laughs> Which I also thought was a great line. And the homeless man, uh, is it, doesn't he just use the shower for the whole movie?
0: I think so. Yeah. Yeah. Because he doesn't go into the maze.
1: No, he doesn't. He doesn't. He asks yeah. if he can use the shower and he's get, he gets told no. And then when everyone goes in the maze, he's like, I'll be in there in just a moment. And you see him go off into the bathroom. And it's just implied <laughs> yeah. that he took a shower and that was all he that that was all he did
0: wonderful it's wonderful
1: Uh, Um, like there's some very good humor in this movie which we'll 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 uh, get to um but yeah that that's not how kickstarter works Was a great line (laughs)
0: um but yeah no it's it is a great like i don't know like i guess a study i i don't know what do you say a study or an allegory of of the of the kind of creative process and how it like can be frustrating at times and how like in those frustrating moments uh unfortunately seems to be when your loved ones uh see it the most you know you, they tend yeah. to see you more uh, yeah yeah i think
1: um, it's it's very much about like the frustration of being a creative person the frustration of trying to make something uh creatively the frustration of how it impacts your 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 other relationships in your life, um, like there's a lot. Um, like I'm sure we we'll get into a lot of them. There's a lot of I think really poignant, very surreal scenes between Dave and Annie throughout the whole movie. Oh like, my god! Yes. Um, we'll eventually get to it. I want to hold off on it for a bit, but the uh, um, the dinner table or the kitchen table costume scene where they have their exchanges is that scene really fucking hits me hard and like I, i'm gonna oh, hold hmm. off on that i want to hold off until we talk about that because i think i want to talk about some more of the context about how the movie builds up all these themes mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. so so like like it essentially like starts off like it's i mean it, it's a very Everything in this movie is allegorical. And so I think that's a really great point to start talking about this movie. And for some people that saw this and didn't like really get it or didn't really like it, I think this is why, is that this movie actually is a surrealist movie. And it's not something that you actually see all that often. And what I mean by it's actually surrealism is that logic has no play here. Um, that it is just a completely imaginary world. There are no rules outside of what the filmmaker decides in the moment. And it's all about relaying a bigger emotional point through all these scenes of unreality. That honestly to God, like I feel like Dave made a maze has a lot more in common with like Alexandro hodorowsky with David Lynch, with Benwell, mm. um than he than it does actually with Lloyd Kaufman or other low budget genre filmmakers.
0: I yeah, I, I mean I completely agree with that. Um I although I do think that like in a way like if you kind of like look at all movies or works of art as metaphors um i don't know like it it's it almost feels like it's a movie about movies you know and or in a way like
1: well it's a movie about the literal creative process and the the maze or the labyrinth depending upon which character you ask in the movie is is a very literal metaphor for a work of creation that's not finished yet and he's still in the process of making it he's still in the process of building the maze that's part of the reason why he's lost is that the maze isn't finished yet because he can't bring himself to finish projects and now he's lost in it and he can't see anything other than the maze and like, like, and this is that's very literally what happens in the movie. And that's also a very obvious metaphor for somebody working on a creative project and feeling frustrated about that they're lost in their own work, and they can't see outside of it. And that causes them to like there's there's a the whole point that he hasn't been eating yes. because he's actually yes. been lost, he hasn't been physically taking care of himself and mm-hmm. that is the thing that and holding in his shits oh yeah there is that whole <laughs> thing of like like where's he taking the shit at i'm like i'm not gonna poop <laughs> yeah. in the living room like <laughs> but then that gives um, a reveal of that he hasn't been eating anything and he doesn't he hasn't yeah. needed to go and so he hasn't been taking care of himself and this causes his his partner concern this causes his friend's concern which caused him to go in to get him out and mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. um now they kind of end up consumed by the maze, which I don't really think that metaphor really kind of works. That's why I say this is like a surrealist film because it's, it it, it's not a direct. It's not a direct one for one thing at any point. It,
0: it does if you shift from general creativity and more to um, filmmaking, though, right? I mean, if if you if you see it as like, because like filmmaking is a lot more collaborative.
1: Oh, so and... you think you're thinking of um that that's like the metaphor of like, like when you get your friends in on the project yeah. with you. Okay. In, in that case, that metaphor works great. Actually, I see exactly what you're saying. That works very well. Yes. Yeah. And so you recruit your friends to work for you and they also end up kind uh-huh. of lost in a thing of your own direction.
0: Right. Exactly. Exactly. Um, yeah. And then they're like, kind of, you all kind of got to depend on each other to, find your way out you know to you know finish the maze or destroy the maze or whatever you
1: know <laughs> um and i think a lot of the movie also really heavily focuses on annie and dave's relationship and yeah. and that she kind of um let me put it this way dave views it and um, like maybe we can get into that kitchen scene eventually uh like around here um Dave views it that she tolerates him and that frustrates him. Right. Because he thinks he has all this potential and he just can't realize it, but he knows that he is a creative person. Like the movie opens with that great interview with him for the, like that. Remember that there's a documentary being made while all this is going on. That the group of the friends are (laughs) made. We'll, we'll, We'll go into those characters. Um, They're making a documentary and the movie opens with Dave being interviewed for the documentary and later about the halfway point of the movie, we see that same interview again and we find out that in the beginning we only saw half the interview and then you see the other, you see the whole interview halfway through the movie (laughs) and it dramatically changes the context and it comes across as very like sad and pathetic over it does it does he was just Um, trying to make something that mattered and i i'm paraphrasing here like just trying to make something that mattered and like maybe if i made something that matter um oh here we go um oh man like i i actually love a lot of the uh dialogue i just thought to check the imdb if they had quotes from this movie here's a segment from it um um I wasn't striving for anything. I just wanted to make something and I can't sit on my couch and watch TV or think that the internet is going to inspire me because I'm fucking 30 years old. My parents are still giving me money and I bore the shit out of them and I work jobs I hate that I have to beg to get. Do you know what it means to be broke? It means that you are broken, that you don't work. Mm. Oh, that was and yeah, That's a good line and there's um, also kind of like a I'm paraphrasing here but there was also something about like like maybe if i made something that would matter it means i matter
0: yeah cuz you don't you know i think people who are like really driven whether creatively or otherwise i think like they feel like they have to complete a thing to be significant to their loved ones um and they 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 might not even understand like why their loved ones stick with them with stuff because they're like, I haven't done you know, and like, or, or like, I haven't, haven't done anything. All right. I have well, potential and it's unrealized.
1: Let, let's um, talk then about that. that scene with Dave and Annie having the conversation at, in like the, at the kitchen table or wh- wherever they are, they're sitting. Yes. And they keep, so it's like, it's seen that it they're like lost in the maze. Why I say this movie is like a series of vignettes because there's not, a lot of direct logical uh connecting points between all the scenes but one of the segments is the maze they get lost in um dave and annie end up having sitting in their apartment uh across a kitchen table and they are ex- exchanging lines of dialogue and it's a lot of repeated lines of dialogue and it's just about very mundane stuff but their tone keeps changing and the outfits that they're wearing keep changing and that you're kind of seeing that kind of from dave's perspective that he keeps viewing himself lesser and lesser to her as she is moving up and up in her life and she's either tolerating him at best or he's holding her back at worst is what is being relayed
0: yeah. Um the uh I I I actually listened to an interview with uh the director and co-writer Bill Watterson, um and I Yeah. It was on a screenplay uh, specifically a screenwriting podcast. I want to bring up the name of the podcast cuz I want to get it right. But um it was like uh he he described that as his favorite scene is basically the point that I'm making.
1: Oh, uh, really? Oh, that's awesome because that's yeah. uh that, that's probably what I find the most moving scene in the entire movie is yeah. is that discussion um, the, that the, them changing their outfits, pulling their outfits off and having yes. outfits underneath it. and it also is like showing it's showing the Dave character all of his vulnerabilities on display all of his essential dark thoughts he has towards the relationship. And it also shows them at the end of the scene coming around and essentially her (laughs) being like, like, it's, it's it's essentially like, it's all in your head. Like, that's not how I feel about you. Then when she like tears off the paper dress and is just wearing like normal clothes and, and then they're smiling with each other at the end, that they all come around. It's, it's a really beautiful scene, but it
0: really is. Um so just circling back it's yes. uh, the successful screenwriter with Jeffrey D Calhoun um, it's episode 28 uh, recorded oh, cool. a couple of years ago. Um, cool. Yeah.
1: But I, um but yeah I feel like a lot of that there there's a lot about the relationship like and how how it affects like your relationship directly with your I mean, loved one. I mean
0: it's I mean it's essentially a love a love story. I mean the the movie is i think like cuz i think that's i don't know like i think their their relate their relationship i mean all his relationships matter to the story but i think yeah. the the romantic one definitely seems to be the um (laughs) the heart of the story if you will
1: Um, and and you say haha because the movie ends with them having to get to the literal heart of the maze which isn't finished and they have to build it together in order to destroy it to get out of the maze
0: yeah just what a i don't know that is just so cool like right like it's so like I don't know. Well, it's just metaphors that, all the way down, right? Well, let's
1: bring in another. Let's bring in another metaphor here because I, I've got another good one for you here. The minotaur. <laughs> okay. So we haven't even addressed that there's a minotaur also in this maze,
0: played by the wrestler John Morrison. Dress. Okay, I had
1: that. I had that pulled up and ready to bring up for you, but you already you already knew that. You already found that. Out. Do you know who yes. that wrestler is?
0: Uh, yeah, I do. He um wrestled in um he wrestled in WWE for a while. Um, I think he's signed to Impact Wrestling right now. Um, But uh, some of my favorite work of his was in um, Lucha Underground, which was a wrestling promotion uh, that was um, it ran for two or three years and it was um, run by Robert Rodriguez, of all people. Yes, that Robert Rodriguez.
1: I, I i seriously was not expecting you to just be able to pull this biography off the top of your head. Keep going, keep going. Yes, this is yes, amazing. This, this is um, Lucas's real house, everyone. <laughs>
0: yes. So I know you're not really a a, a big wrestling fan,
1: I've but I've never I would, heard I of would... this person or like from everything you've talked about, I've heard of WWE and Robert, Robert Rodriguez. Yeah.
0: So so John Morrison play in in honestly in every like wrestling promotion i've seen him work in he kind of plays like just like he's just like this super charismatic almost like hollywood type you know but like he's also really good at parkour <laughs> um,
1: to put but, it in relation to things i do understand would he be like a johnny cage type of character
0: actually yes yes okay it's, okay it's fun that you bring up mortal kombat because i honestly think lucha underground I I wish I wish it kept going, but uh, unfortunately it, it it folded. But it was essentially like wrestling, but like matched up with like some Mortal Kombat tropes. Like it's very so um, so they
1: killed the other wrestler at the end of the match.
0: There were a couple
1: of scripted
0: deaths in the show, okay. yes. Um, and, but also it, it had like a interesting. It had like a sort of meta plot around it. Like a couple of the wrestlers were undercover. Cops who are trying to infiltrate an underground fight club. Yeah, um, that, that like, that's Mortal Kombat. Yeah, yeah, exactly. um Yeah, it was fun. It was it was a fun show. Um, and yeah, that was what I what I you know most. I mean, I, I, that's probably I was, my favorite work of his.
1: I was super curious if you had ever heard of this guy. I'm like, ah, it's probably like some no name guy that Luke even Lucas is gonna be like, yeah, no, he's just some guy. And then you just pulled off that biography right there. <laughs> yeah. Now. now now, now to keep on though with the metaphors, so what I argue that the Minotaur represents is the Minotaur is the work itself that he is creating and the work itself kind of coming out to be. Ooh. And that it kind of consumes some people in the process. And the reason I really hold to this metaphor is that at the very end of the movie – in the credit sequence we find out that when they dump all the trash from the maze in the dumpster the minotaur comes out of it and goes out into the world and i believe what that represents is the finished completed work going out into the world to have a life of its own that it doesn't matter what all the intentions you had all the things that you felt other people are going to experience it differently
0: and also like yeah because they don't the goal isn't to kill the Minotaur. The goal it's is to kill never the, the maze. Goal. Yes. Uh, you know, and and the maze is like kind of all the shit that's holding essentially in prison because the Minotaur in mythology and in, in this is a prisoner Yes. In, in, in the, in the, in the labyrinth. Um. And so you've got, yeah. So the labyrinth or the maze represents kind of like all the distractions, all the things that hold you back, all the things that hold the work back. Um,
1: and the minotaur yeah. is the work itself.
0: Yes, yes, I like that a lot. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I think that's yeah. I think you're on the money there.
1: I, I, that's, I'm really, I'm really convinced that that's like the the, meaning, the quote unquote meaning of the minotaur. Now. Now, like we've been focusing a lot here on like all these metaphors with this movie, and it's impossible not to focus on them because that's what the movie is. It's a movie of metaphors. But I feel like it's also worth addressing just in case that anyone has for anyone that hasn't seen this. I've compared it already to like Benwell and Holoroski and Lynch, but this is like a super this is like the Twee version of this. So that this is like like if Wes Anderson tried to do a movie like that. It's very quirky, it's very lighthearted. it's very tongue-in-cheek, it doesn't really take any of its stakes very seriously, that everyone, like, we have multiple characters who die, like, good friends of these people who die in front of them, but we never really get a feeling that anyone's, like, in mourning, felt a real loss, and that's not a critique of the movie, that's just not the tone of the movie yeah
0: no it's funny you mention that because like i think in the same interview the director said the director said something like um i mean yes it works as a metaphor for for filmmaking or or creativity or whatever but it also kind of works as a metaphor if you're like really struggling to mow the lawn or something (laughs) like something with less less stakes than like you know making a film or whatever
1: (laughs) i mean the guy is like struggling to to just do basic things in this life like we we yeah. we we know about this and like like we find out in the in the movie that one of his hands is turning into cardboard um because mm-hmm. he got caught in one of the maze's traps but that's like obvious metaphor for uh the work literally starting to physically consume you
0: yeah and but, um for those for those that listen to our bonus episode and heard us grumbling about uh metaphors in movies um the thing is, even though this is the stuff that happens here is metaphorical. It also really happens.
1: Yes. It happens in the movie. Like it's not, it's not like did it or did it not happen? No, everything is happening. Yes. It's just all a metaphor for, it's a, it's a very meta movie in the context that it's just a pure commentary on the creative process itself. Right. Right. Um, Though also though the movie, uh, what I was kind of going to segue into a little bit was the movie though also does not, uh, it's it's not a very serious movie. Yes, it talks about a lot of really serious things. It talks about a lot of really serious m- mental thoughts that any creative person can very much relate to, of those moments of self doubt, feeling defeated, feeling like a failure, feeling fake. It like addresses all that. The movie has a very quirky, lighthearted tone to it. And the movie also is so much about embracing its very unique visual style of all these hand-built, all practical sets. And the movie will frequently essentially pause to do a whole bunch of in-camera visual gags, Mm -hmm. which I love it when they do it in this movie. Like the the forced, um, forced perspective room that the camera is in the bottom corner and it looks like they are like giants in the room or something. And they start moving around and then you find out that all the objects you're seeing for framework of reference are all different sizes as the characters start interacting with them. Like that, that was fucking awesome. Uh, the, uh, the, uh, the, uh, cardboard vagina. That's that. that, Stop. It's a don't, it's a trap. And yeah. every character gets, except for the except for the girlfriend, if I'm remembering cor- correct. The no, 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 she does. Wait, she does. No. She's yeah, the first yeah. one. She's the first one because that's when they reveal that his hand, that he had oh, put yeah. his hand into the cardboard vagina and his hand got turned to cardboard. Um, Annie s- s- almost goes into it and then Dave stops her and does a don't. It's a trap. And then we have every character. Mm-hmm. Um, Turn, go through the doorway, and you see them all stopped and mesmerized by the cardboard vagina. Try to touch it, and then each previous character stops them with, "Don't! It's a trap." Yeah. And there's some really the. Um, the uh origami birds which are great in this movie which are just completely non-threatening they're just like little critters I running around i love
0: how the I, I think it's the sound guy ha- like has uh, oh, yes. the one on his shoulder for like most <laughs> for, yeah,
1: for a chunk for a large chunk of the movie he has one on his shoulder that is interacting with him they don't say a word to each other and they're just uh-huh. Sound guy doesn't say a word the whole movie um uh, yeah that's <laughs> Yeah, yeah, he purposely doesn't say a word the whole movie, and him it, like his most interactions he has is with the origami bird on his shoulder. Mm-hmm. Uh, like yeah, like there's a lot of really quirky, like, like really fun, enjoyable things about this movie that make it being like, like yeah, it's kind of treading on some of the same ground as like Fellini's like Eight and a Half, but it's not like oh, so yeah. good. Call. It's not so dire and serious about everything yeah no, it's it's more kind of like that joyful nihilism that we talked about in the bonus episode about um
0: everything everything everywhere.
1: all at once yeah. of like there's like like absurdism versus nihilism and yeah. dave made a maze is on the absurdist side and it's a absurdist surreal film about Trying to find meaning when everything you do feels like it sucks.
0: Yes, yes, uh, it's very playful. Like uh, I don't know, like it, it's it laughs at itself. Like it's mm-hmm. not. Yeah, like I don't know, like I mean, I guess you could like real really read into this movie and get you know like you know like maybe depressed. You know, at least the themes, but like it's like I
1: mean, I think the- there's a lot of depressing themes, but I think if you can read the movie well enough to get why some of this is really depressing i think you're going to read it well enough to get it in the end of like this all works out in the end
0: yeah i mean which also obviously requires you know watching the whole movie you know
1: <laughs> yeah yeah <laughs> which you know
0: yeah speaking of metaphor right like it's like it's like you have to you have to kind of live your live your whole life to know that it, you know <laughs> that it might be might turn out okay
1: (laughs) and man like just the ingenuity on display with this movie just every time i watch it it just constantly impresses me just how unique it is and how good it looks like it just looks so fucking good
0: like it's i don't know like it doesn't it doesn't i mean I know it's low budget and you know, it's low budget, but it doesn't feel that way. Like it does feel very epic in scope. Like even though it's, and and until you like really like think about it and you're like, Oh wait, this is all cardboard. Like this is literal trash. And (laughs) they made this awesome movie like out of it, you know, it's so cool.
1: So they used over 30,000 pounds of cardboard in the making of this movie.
0: Oh, my God. That is unreal.
1: And in order to get all the cardboard, it, this movie was made in L.A. That a whole bunch of people that worked on this movie um, all have have various like jobs in the film industry. Uh, no, none of them is really too big except for one. We'll get into that at the end who the one big person involved in this movie is. Um, but they all just had like various jobs in LA and they managed to get some deals. Well, first they had a deal with one studio that they could get all the cardboard that they were going to like throw away into the recycling that they could just cart off. And they thought that they thought that'd be plenty. And I'm not sure how, how many pounds, like thousands of pounds they got. And they apparently ran out of that, like almost instantly. And oh, of course the studio said, no, you can't just, I, I I don't know what the reasoning behind it, but they were just like, no, you, we're, we're not doing that again with you. And then they managed to get another studio, though, an, another studio to give them access to their cardboard, which is how they managed to finish the movie. However, they do say in interviews and on the DVD com- on the Blu-ray commentary. Um, That there was many days that they still ran out of cardboard that day and various people who were working on it just literally had to go out and drive and find, like, recycling dumpsters around L.A. And just pull out all the cardboard out of it and let it in the vehicle and bring it back and let it go do it again just because they needed more and more cardboard.
0: I love that they actually, like, weighed – like how much they used that's that's fun
1: it's not pro- it's probably not because of how they, they probably didn't i wonder how they probably got that weight because they most of the cardboard came from deals that they set up with studios mm-hmm. that will take it instead of the recycling department and so the studios probably knew from like the recycling um like how oh, much like stuff the,
0: they how, were how much the bin had in it yeah whatever, like how much yeah. the
1: bin could hold I'm right, right. I, I'm sure that's how they came about with that number, because I'm, I'm yeah. sure they weren't printing everything on scales. But... Well, it's cool
0: that they kept track of it anyway. Like, yeah, it yeah. Just,
1: It's and just a fun little factoid oh, about yeah. the movie. Like, you know? over, over thirty thousand pounds of cardboard were used in the making <laughs> of it, which is insane. Yeah. So this movie was made though, like in this, it was actually made in a uh, sound studio. They did run out a, a sound studio for it. And they would be filming in the studio they had. They could set up two rooms in it. And while they'd film in one room, they'd be building another room. And then in oh, case you're curious, for the one room they built, they'd have to get all their shots in of it. Because then at the end, when they switched over to film the other one, they tore it all down and started building the next set. Oh, man. So they have yeah. to build all of those sets with all that intricate detail all that handmade work and then tear it down and build another one.
0: Yeah. You'd have to, yeah, that is. Wow. Yeah. That is, that is crazy. Yeah. You'd have to have like really good, like, I don't know, grasp of thing and, and time management and, and all that stuff. Right. Cause, because they, like, Cause they
1: couldn't really do for the most part reshoots. And yeah. Unless it was those like close-ups of dialogue where you could just put a any piece of cardboard behind someone's head and have it work right right But you couldn't like reshoot a scene if you found out later that like you didn't get it uh that set doesn't exist anymore mm-hmm. um the uh, head of uh, production said that on average a completed set would only stand up for four hours wow which meant that they would build that room they would do all their shots in it And then it'd it'd take about four hours, and then they tear it down. And now, if that sounds really short to people, like if you actually watch the movie and pay attention, there is so many, so many shots that only are a minute or under, and it's in a completely unique room, and we never see that room again.
0: Yeah, exactly. And then that's just four hours of of shooting time right like i mean yes four hours that's not of shooting taking time. account how long it takes to build this shit and then tear it down right
1: Th- that's correct yeah it's just four yeah. hours of shooting time
0: yeah so that's i mean that's still i'd imagine that's probably all
1: because people were also like like you know you could start working days in advance of like painting stuff because like a lot of the cardboard's painted and that so all that would have mm. to be done even before you start physically assembling you'd have to get all that paint so we're we're talking days and days of work that all right doing four hours and then physically tear it down and it's literally trash or it gets remade into the next set.
0: Do you know how long it took to uh? Oh, to make
1: it. Oh, shit. Um, I actually don't know that off the top of my head.
0: Um, Yeah, I'm just curious because of like how much you know would have gone into
1: that. I'm guessing it it had to be at max a couple months. It was probably a couple weeks because they rented a they they rented like a warehouse studio for it. And so I'm sure they I'm sure that's where most of the half a million dollars that was spent on the movie like went to was probably renting that
0: building a studio space yeah that makes sense
1: so i'm sure it could not be I, i'm sure it was not that long it's probably more on the. it's probably closer mm-hmm. to a couple weeks than a couple months that i guesstimated gotcha so um I, I see you did a little research on this movie mm-hmm. Uh um, I, I i've I mentioned i've talked about this a couple times in other podcasts this movie i'm curious if you're able to come across anywhere where anyone involved in the movie referenced house of leaves
0: um i i did not come across anything like that i could see why that might have had an impact on on this movie i mean house of leaves is also kind of um i mean it also does the you know bigger inside than outside um but you know um
1: I also weirdly argue that this is as close as we're ever going to get to a good adaptation of House of Leaves. Really? Really. Okay. Um, and I've never been able to find any reference of anyone involved in this movie m- making acknowledgement towards House of Leaves. However, pretty much every review from a serious reviewer you will find online will directly reference House of Leaves.
0: So other like, than the... Than the uh bigger inside than than outside how oh, oh what uh what specifically have, have, have
1: you read house of leaves yeah but it's
0: been a while
1: the the whole thing of finding a labyrinth inside a house and oh. going through it and, and ended up lost in this other space inside okay. yeah, a yeah, home yeah. being hunted by a minotaur
0: oh right okay yeah like like that's yeah, that's yeah. that's that's right one that's of the right.
1: aspects of the plot of house of leaves also, the House of Leaves is this giant meta commentary on essentially how on
0: storytelling, right? On
1: storytelling, which yeah. so is this movie. Yes, yes,
0: that's right. Yeah, because yeah, because it has all those footnotes and stuff, and uh, mm-hmm. yeah, yeah, yeah.
1: It fuck, it completely fucks with the format of how a book works, right? And, right. And like, I, I don't know, it, like it. I, I i can't find anything that directly connected to, but I'm like I find it really hard to believe that
0: that he never that, read it
1: yeah he never that, that especially like, given never his, read it or given
0: his age and like uh, yeah yeah, like I feel like he would have been of the generation that would have like i don't know there was there was a period of time where like everybody who was cool.
1: Red, Red House, House of, of leaves. leaves, yeah, yeah, right. yeah. And, and that was also during that was also during our time as well. Like yes. I, I, yes. I, I will say I'm a big House of Leaves fan. I, good book. I, I have not liked anything. um Was it Daniel, Daniel, Daniel Lus- Lusky? Daniel yeah, Danielski, yeah, Daniel yeah. Lusky, I have not liked anything else that Daniel Lusky has written, but House of Leaves is one of my very favorite modern horror works. It's so and creepy. I think it's a brilliant, brilliant book yeah but i kind of argue that like so we we watched uh for the show a bunch of months back we saw the sadness and mm. i was like okay the sadness is closest we're ever going to get to a cross movie and right. that was really funny then researching it that the writer director of the sadness is like oh yeah i just ripped off crossed, and like yeah. this is my cross movie i couldn't get the rights for it so i just i just changed some details and This is my cross adaptation. He doesn't even hide it. It's just like, this is my cross movie. Um, Though I can't find anything of Bill Watterson ever mentioning House of Leaves. And whenever I watch this movie, I'm like, this is a lot like House of Leaves. And we even have like that meta narrative with the uh, filmmaker going into the yes, maze and Dave yes, made the maze, right. which so we have this meta different medium thing going on, which is also a thing that happens in House that's of Leaves.
0: That's also in House of Leaves. Yeah, I mean the the primary narrative is is like a it's a text found the footage text. kind of thing, right? Yes,
1: yeah. yes, yes. Yeah. It's a found it. Well, there is a bunch of found this footage. There's a filmmaker components. thing. Yeah, yeah, yes. yeah, yeah. The the Navits Navidson,
0: Navidson record.
1: That's it. Navidson yeah. record. That's it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. So there's this whole. Text within a text thing going on in House of Leaves that's also in Dave Made a Maze.
0: Yeah. Oh, I love. I love what they did with the the filmmaker character in this in this movie. Like he was just kind of kind
1: we of. We haven't really talked about the filmmaker or his um uh sound guy and video guy. So want to talk about them?
0: It's. I mean, it's. I kind of wonder what they're supposed to represent like in, as far as like in terms of like the larger metaphor of this movie but i i guess they would be like the more like exploitative but not really in in the sense not really in the sense that we talk about it in our show where we really like like exploitative things but i mean like in the exploitative in the bad way in a way where they're just like we're just going to document this like shit show. I
1: mean, I think there's a bunch of different ways you could probably take them. I think, I think your way is a valid way to take them. I think they're also kind of on the sides of kind of like, shall we say critics and commentators? Yeah, because cause it's director... a lot like why did you do this? why is this like this? why and like not being really able to answer it is like cuz that's what i did. It's Yeah. I want... Yeah, that makes sense. So i kind of view them on kind of like the when i say critic side, i don't mean like negative but mm-hmm. but actual like yeah, criticism. Yeah, i do
0: see the critic i do i do actually see the critic side as well like cuz like the like the um like when he's like trying to interview Annie early in the movie and he's like asking her like, how do you feel being like a woman who's like chasing after a man or whatever, you know? Oh yeah. Yeah. Like yeah. That. Yeah. Exactly. Don't you think exactly. That sets us back? And she's like, I don't care about that. Like
1: my loved one is literally in trouble. Like, can we like, just keep moving on? <laughs> exactly. Exactly. I think that's a fantastic example to support my point that I, yeah. I think it's kind of representing like, Criticism and the media and the critique around a creative project and how it's kind of missing, how, how it can not even miss a point, how it's just like it's just approaching from a different position than where it, the creator it already has from. its its
0: thesis in mind. Even yes. th- sometimes, even before they see the film or or read the book or whatever, and they're like, okay, here's my thesis. Now I'm gonna read or watch this thing, and I'm gonna.
1: Yes, 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 because he's constantly trying to, like, shoehorn the narrative into yes. this chaos when there is no narrative to be had. Right. Yeah. So yeah. the main filmmaker, that's John Urb- Urbanic. Urbanic. James. 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 I'm sorry, John. Get
0: you're thinking so, of John Urban Sick, the writer.
1: <laughs> okay, yeah, yeah. So James Urbanic. Urban, Urbanic. Urbanic. Do you know who he is?
0: I don't. I um. I I. I feel like he looks familiar. Um, he
1: does a lot of TV work. He does a lot of voice acting work. He's been in a shit ton of things. And what's hmm. most notable? What's most notable? Oh well, for one, he um actually played uh, Robert Crumb in American Splendor.
0: Okay. All right.
1: So if you've I, seen American Splendor, uh, which. If you haven't, or for anyone listening that um, hasn't, I, I can't. Oh, oh! Uh, American Splendor is a great movie. It's about Harvey Pekar, which is a uh, great underground comic book artist. Um, oh, amazing! I have no idea. It, it's see, a bi, it's a biopic about an underground comic book artist, um, Harvey Pekar, who's fantastic.
0: That's hilarious. I've o- I've only ever seen like the cover of it, I thought it looked boring. But I, if you'd have told me it was about comics, I would have. Watched it immediately.
1: Yeah, it's it's about like the nineteen sixties and seventies underground comic book scene.
0: That's awesome.
1: Now and Robert, of course, of course, you know watching
0: this twenty year old movie.
1: I'm I'm sure you know who Robert Crumb is, right? Oh yeah, oh yeah. Yeah, yeah. Uh, um, uh, James Urbendick plays Robert Crumb in that. But the thing he's most notable for is he voices Doctor Venture on the Venture Brothers. Oh shit, that's super cool.
0: Um, I also recognize the uh guy you played um Gordon. I've gotta say, um, and now I'm like looking at his um, at his uh, he's done a lot of TV work, I guess, is what he's what I you know maybe I've just seen his face. Um, Adam uh Adam Richard Bush.
1: Oh yeah, this I, I was looking up um a, a bunch of the actors in this movie and. Uh, no one involved in this movie, unfortunately, has really gone on to have a, like, big career, but everyone's done, like, work, like, everyone's still working in the film industry, everyone's done a bunch of shit, uh, but no one's become, like, a star, uh, Mm. and so i guess he
0: was a popular character
1: like a pretty popular
0: character on buffy like he was in 16 episodes
1: okay so, so he was a recurring character in that but yeah. the, uh, going back to the film crew we've got to talk about the sound and the video guy and how oh, yeah. fantastic they are in this movie um the sound guy never says a word the whole movie the video guy only says did you fuck my wife and oh, yeah. it's, it's a it's a callback. It's a callback when he die when the video guy dies. He says, "Did you fuck my wife?" And it's a callback to this earlier scene of this one room that when they go through it, everything's in black and white. And they start um, all doing it was a it's a Pacino in Raging Bull. Uh, um, De Niro. De Niro. I'm sorry. De Niro in a uh, Raging Bull. Uh, De Niro delivering the line, "Did you fuck my wife?" And they're they're all just it's it's a dumb little insider movie nerd joke yeah yeah Uh, yeah totally but um but the the video and sound guy are so funny in this movie they're so entertaining to watch it's just all physical comedy their physical reactions to everything they don't say anything it's real
0: testament to uh
1: this this uh you know that i just kind of
0: um thought this up in my head but i'm sure other people have you know um, thought of this before me, but if you're if you're stuck on coming up with side characters, like having like one or two funny people who like don't really say a whole lot, uh, it's usually a good way two, to go. Two
1: two bumbling but proficient f- fools in the background is just like an always dynamite. Yeah, character usually a slam
0: archetype. dunk. Yeah,
1: yeah, yeah. Like it's hard it's hard to go wrong with that character archetype. And this movie like like. I'm not saying it's cheap. I'm saying like, it's really well done and really entertaining. Those two guys just in the background of every scene reacting and filming and getting the audio for everything. Yeah.
0: So good. So good.
1: We already mentioned it before, but I love the audio guy with the little origami swan on his (laughs) shoulder and a bunch of the scenes, like that's so entertaining.
0: Um. Trying to see what else. What do you know about about uh, about Bill Waterson?
1: And, uh... you know, so I was looking him up and there's not really a ton out there about him. Um, he's only done one full length movie, which was Dave made a maze. Mm-hmm. Um, he's done a short film that came out in 2022, I believe. Oh. Uh, I haven't seen it. Uh, I have. I'll be honest. I haven't even tried to look for it but I would be curious to see if that's out there on the internet somewhere to see and just see like what he did since. Um, He he doesn't really seem like he went on to do like, like at least not anything in charge of like running the production. Um, I've seen that he's done a bunch of work in a wide variety of roles and all these different things, but it's just Dave made a maze really is the only full length, uh, yeah so he did
0: yeah which almost
1: seems a little meta sad in a way of doing this insanely brilliant unique movie about the frustrations of creating and there's not another movie to follow this up
0: yeah um it was i mean it's it's also like from the interview i i listened to like it also seemed like it might have been um uh like kind of true to true to life in a way like he he loved filmmaking as a kid like he would make like um movies with with his action figures or something like you know and his dad's camcorder right but then like in his teens and 20s he got he was like in a bunch of bands so he kind of you know went in the labyrinth to play oh music man that, that
1: gives some context with like the keyboards
0: yeah yeah yeah, yeah okay. and then and then he came back to filmmaking and made dave made a maze you know like as his first proper feature
1: so uh, one fun thing i did find with bill watterson that like he's done a bunch of work he's uh done like like some voice acting some acting some writing some directing but uh he was an unnamed voice in the 2018 god of war video game
0: oh shit that's I random thought, and thought cool. that was fun
1: <laughs> yeah no, totally random thing, totally random thing
0: that's great, but
1: I thought that was fun,
0: yeah um cool yeah I I noticed that like a lot of people on, in the in the movie like don't even have what like wikipedia pages like you know it's um I mean I'm sure they're all working actors or whatever, but they're just not you know well
1: so this movie really seemed to be and like, i I think that's part of Part of the reason also why it works so well is a lot of the people involved in this movie, both on the like in front of the camera and behind the camera, all seem to be people that do the jobs in the L.A. film industry that actually get shit fucking made. Yes. Like, it's not Tom Cruise getting shit fucking made. It's not. um it's not Steven Spielberg getting shit fucking made. It's the army of people behind them that are actually getting stuff made. Mm-hmm. And this movie seems to be starring, seems to be made by, and seems to be worked on by those people. And right. Tying that like, – oh, go ahead, go ahead.
0: Like Lolly Love was before James Gunn and – oh, God, what is the yes,
1: actress's that, name? Uh, became. Uh, oh. Oh, oh, uh, Jenna Fisher,
0: Jenna Fisher. That's right. Yeah. I was going to um, say Pam from the office, but like, yes. yeah, yeah, um, uh, no, no,
1: exactly, exactly. The exact same sort of, uh,
0: this, the same people who essentially used, uh, street trash as their demo reel, you know, um, mm-hmm. yeah. Like, uh, like those are the people who like really make this shit happen. And, and mean, so uh,
1: everyone involved knows how to make a competent movie and it's just that they're all having to been under the direction of somebody else before and this was all theirs a little attempt to make their own piece of art and entertainment and i think that's also like tying back to a lot of our earlier conversation i think that's why this movie is really in on all those metaphors and Mm -hmm. also why it works so well with all those metaphors that everybody involved from production design to the people acting all got on a very personal level the frustration that the yes. movie is attempting to display
0: yeah because i mean a lot of time, like i mean the 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 sad truth about cre- i mean creative work is like nine times out of ten it's not going to be your passion project that you're working on it's going to be like you know it's going to be it's gonna be work, like it, like it's gonna be like a job, you know. Um, and so like, you know, but this was, I guess, everybody's opportunity to kind of make a passion project.
1: Though this doesn't really seem like it kind of led to anyone really dramatically expanding their career, unfortunately. Which is, yeah, sometimes what happens. I mean, like we look at Lolly Love which I think actually comparing this to the lolly love is very on on the production standpoint is very, very accurate. that mm-hmm. it's, it's, it, it's people that work on movies that work in the industry to understand what they need to do to make a competent work, trying to make their own thing. And then lolly love, uh, a lot of those people went on to have giant careers and like Dave made a maze like, I think the biggest name that came away from this movie is the guy, the voice, Dr. Venture, which mm. isn't really. Um, I mean, yeah, he does get invited to Comic-Con every year, but right. it's still not like a huge name. It's not like it's not James Gunn. Or, and that would have predated this movie anyway. Right. Um, Actually, I believe you're correct. Uh, yeah. uh, so, Dave May- oh, with oh, without a doubt, without a doubt, yeah. there's this venture Brothers predated this by probably a decade. A or decade, more. yeah, or yeah. more even. I
0: think I was still living in Pennsylvania when that show was on. So
1: yeah, like Venture Brothers was actually like, uh, was it like 2005 or six?
0: Oh wow, even that far back, Jeez. Oh, ma- oh that maybe, makes yeah. me feel old, honestly.
1: When <laughs> the fuck did Venture Brothers uh, start? Yeah, Venture Brothers has actually been going on for a quite a long while um venture brothers started in oh whoa oh 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 buddy i'm gonna hurt you here 2004
0: oh my gosh wow
1: even earlier even earlier that's why i was having a hard time finding that on his imdb i wasn't scrolling back far enough
0: yeah wow so venture
1: Venture brothers predated this by like, like like 15 years
0: okay wow 14, yeah.
1: 14 years. But yeah, so yeah, it never really, um, nobody involved with in this ever really kind of broke out, which is like such a shame because, mm. especially for uh, just like, um, just the production design on this movie is just absolutely un- insane and unrivaled in my mind. Like it's, cause I keep comparing it to like Hodorowsky because like mm-hmm. Hodorowsky's movies look as some of the weirdest, most surreal movies I have ever seen. So weird. And so weird. I honestly can only compare anything else to it. to like movies have come since like Dave made a maze. And that it just looks so so weird
0: yeah um i mean hopefully now that it's on shutter it you know might lead to more opportunities for these folks um i mean they they clearly know what they're doing
1: oh with that, yeah yeah i just just the logistics and assembling the sets and structuring this movie that you get essentially one go at each one of the sets and that's that just sounds insanely stressful
0: yeah building a set is hard enough building a set that you have to take down at the end of the day and then rebuild the next day or whatever
1: no 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 you can't rebuild it because it's all fucking cardboard
0: oh right 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 yeah
1: to to take it down it's going to involve destroying it
0: yeah so taking it down and then building another one in place of it i guess is what they were doing that's Um, exactly what they were doing yeah wow Oh man. Um, yeah. So I don't know. Do you have uh, anything else you're forgetting?
1: Um. I think I. Oh. 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 Uh. One other thing that's been a long time since I've brought it up. Very long time. But James. Law and Order connection. James, Urbanik. Um. Man, I have no idea if I'm pronouncing his name even close to right. He was in an episode of Law and Order S for you.
0: I think uh, I think Adam was too. I think Adam uh, I think Adam uh, Bush was as well. Okay. Yeah. So, let me just double... Oh no, he was in regular Law and Order I, actually.
1: Remember, my whole what, thing is the SVU because we found your out the whole one thing that, is SVU. Because one, remember, this all stemmed from the Mother's uh, Mother's Day episode where we found out that one of the writers of Mother's Day was the co-creator of SVU,
0: which is weirdly fitting for reasons. It's
1: it's so weirdly <laughs> fitting. And it's been a while since I've been able to bring up the uh, SVU connection again.
0: Oh, that's fun. That is fun.
1: Oh, he also did a voice in the Manhunt video game, which is one of the most controversial video games ever released.
0: I just recently watched a really cool um, analysis of that video game uh, about how it's just like a brilliant piece of nihilistic
1: it's it's, video in, it's it's a very it's a very interesting yeah. game i i have it on my uh you can uh download it for your ps for anyone that has a ps4 nice. you can download it from the playstation store and it goes on sale all the time for super cheap and cool. so i got manhunt um awesome oh he also did a voice on welcome to night fail vale. he did a lot of stuff jane well not did he does a lot of stuff yeah That's but cool. yeah no um yeah, I mean, it I don't seems think like I a lot re- of
0: the actors have done stuff like in TV and such, you know. Um,
1: no, I don't yeah. think I really have much more, uh, or not much more. I don't really think I have anything else about the movie. Um, yeah. I think it's a very brilliant movie. I think it's a very clever, creative movie. Um, I think it's it's just worth watching to anyone just for its set and practical effects alone just uh show how much you can do with trash literal Mm -hmm. trash yeah
0: cool yeah no um yeah and it's you know just a nice uh nice little um nice little reminder that uh, even if you have not let your minotaur out of the labyrinth you matter
1: (laughs) yeah i guess that's true (laughs) so so um Lucas, do you remember what we're doing next week? I do. I'm just curious if you do. I do.
0: I do. Okay, good. Good. What are we doing? We are doing – okay, so I am a Full Moon fan. You are not. But I think we will both agree that the movie we are doing next week is probably the best Full Moon film. Yes. Um, We are doing Castle Freak, unless I am completely wrong.
1: We are doing Castle Freak, though I just realized something that we almost forgot to bring up. We're We're not doing it next week.
0: Oh, yeah, that's right. You're right. You're we're right. Not You're doing right. it
1: next week. We will be doing the episode in two weeks, two and weeks. that for the time being, we're gonna be having new episodes come out every two weeks that mm-hmm. there has been some just difficulties with just lots of things going on and private schedules, all those sorts of things. yeah, and that rather than do like, get burnt out or have things become a chore or do half-hearted episodes? We want to have our episodes be as high quality as we absolutely can have them be. We're going to be having them come out for the foreseeable future every other week instead of every week. Now Um, that may change in the future. Um, Personally, I'm hoping fingers crossed that that changes, but for right now, just plan to hear from us every other week. Now we're still going to be doing bonus episodes, but they're also going to be every other week. Yeah. And then you might be seeing some other things popping up in your feed on our off weeks. Not a hundred percent sure exactly what all yet, but you might see some other content also popping, right. popping up there.
0: Yeah. So we're not going anywhere. We're just, uh, spacing things out. Um, yeah, we are, uh, we are here to stay. And, um, I'm excited to talk about Castle Freak.
1: We're not that far away from 100 episodes, dude. Like, we've got to, at the very least, fucking cross the 100-episode mark. Yeah, that's I know. We're, that's like,
0: gonna... we're really close. I mean, counting the bonus episodes, we've already... We shouldn't...
1: Yeah, if we count the bonus episodes, we've already crossed it. Yeah, we're... But, yeah. We, but we shouldn't count the bonus episodes, and we can not count those random off weeks we had when we had oh, the right. random Where filler or i episode. pulled from the
0: the mangum show archives
1: and stuff yeah, yeah 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 so um and i think we even did a jeff attacks episode at one point
0: uh no but we did a um uh episode of a show that uh that you didn't launch but you almost launched
1: oh uh, that's what i'm thinking of oh yeah. we still have the jeff attacks interview with you i can pull out at some point yeah so, that's so, a good so that episode that was,
0: that was uh that's still the longest interview i've ever done so
1: i yeah that was when i did jeff attacks pretty much everyone i interviewed said this was the longest interview i've ever
0: done but you know what you were doing that way before that was cool now it's like every interview
1: is like three hours like yeah yeah no oh yeah i was doing three hours interviews like a decade ago before it was before it was cool yeah um so uh but yeah so yeah we'll be back in two weeks with castle freak and because we're gonna have two weeks for it, i'm also definitely gonna watch the remake
0: yeah i'm gonna try but to i don't well. know
1: yeah I, at the very least i'll be reporting
0: back i think i this. should i think i will that's <laughs>
1: right everyone listening did you know there's a castle freak remake that that happened that, that really also happened.
0: stars barbara crampton
1: that really happened yes yes um Uh, yeah so um we still got the patreon going we got a bunch of bonus episodes up there we recorded a new one
0: gonna Um, have some essays up there here in a bit um as well
1: yeah 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 we're gonna start getting some uh some original writing up there from both of us uh stay tuned for that and i don't really think i have anything else to bring up no
0: i think that's it yeah check us out on patreon.com make your own damn podcast
1: we're also on facebook we're also on twitter lucas and i like like make your own damn podcast is on facebook and twitter lucas and i are on facebook twitter i'm on instagram as well um, I don't know you, Lucas. I know you're on I Facebook am, and Twitter. I am, but I hardly
0: use hardly uh, use my Instagram. So I follow
1: follow him on Twitter or Facebook. That's yeah, what yeah, yeah.
0: Yeah, those are the those are good
1: places to find me and yeah and, and watch dave made a maze it's a fucking brilliant yes, movie we actually please. didn't say do did we recommend it or not that though sh- no, i don't think there was any like need it, to. Was it was pretty obvious. fucking obvious yeah
0: yeah um yeah in that in that case yeah i would say yes please watch dave made a maze it's it's good stuff
1: it's brilliant um, it's brilliant and then and then we're going to castle freak from full moon next week oh yeah or no next episode two weeks next from now episode, two weeks from now yes It's going to take us a bit to break that habit.
0: Yeah, I know, right?
1: That's why we have to do it every week. All right. That's
0: it. Cool.
1: Done.